This episode is brought to you by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Learn more at slashandcast.net. Yeah, you caught me, dude. I think I'm dying here, man. Welcome to the 3B Video Deep Cut Podcast. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. <laughs> it was fun. Aw, <laughs> yeah. It's that time again for another bi-weekly podcast with your hosts, Rotten Roger DeMarco and... Ted? Hey, Ted? Ted, where the hell's the corks grow? Is evil. Aw, yeah. Man, we're finally here. You knew it was coming. This is my fucking favorite, my bread and butter. We're back. God damn it. God damn it. To Crystal Lake. We're, We're almost... Almost halfway through, but not quite. Yeah, and we're not at actual Crystal Lake. We're not at Packenack Lodge. We're not at Higgins Haven. No, we're on the complete other side of the lake, which is apparently the biggest fucking lake on the planet. I mean, New Jersey is the land of land of lakes, right? Land of lake? <laughs> That's a butter, right? Land of lakes butter? Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> She's like, butter! Wasn't true about your mom. But, uh, you know, we're on the other side of the lake. We're at the Jarvis family home, which was used in every movie ever, including Eraser. And I say you're one of your other favorite movies of all time. Or was that the previous uh, movie that was the, the one they used for Zero Boys? Zero Boys used Higgins Haven. But, uh, okay, yeah, I was mixing those up. Lots and lots and lots of movies were filmed in the Jarvis house. And then, One cabin looks the same as another. Yes, yeah, it's all the same, and it's all the same shit. Uh, in this movie, uh, we get Frank Zito, Joseph Zito. Frank Zito, Frank. Ah, yeah, Joseph's my brother. He made Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. Whoopty shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, old Zito. Final chap. Final chapter. My fucking ass. <laughs> old Zito himself bringing arguably the most character development. The that's why I like this one so much. It's it's so uh, real life, I guess, likable. Characters that are in all sorts of different ranges of not just meat for the beast, right? A little bit of yeah, a little yeah. bit of something for everybody. But uh, <laughs> even twins. Yeah, Ooh, the double mint twins, baby. But uh, and then we have Rob Lowe's stunt double. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking job low. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that sounds like a very that sounds like a streetwalker's name. Oh yeah, but evil, you want to give the folks at home a brief plot synopsis, and then we can jump into this bad boy. Jason is back. Well, he never really left, but is he dead? Of course not. He is still breathing, and he's coming back for more blood. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, which which includes twins, Rob Lowe's stunt double. Fackler. Crispin Glover. And a few others. But not Corey Feldman. And Fackler from fucking Police Academy. Fucking Fackler. Does not make it. Um, Don't know anything else he's ever done besides this and the Police Academy movies. But fucking Fackler. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about it a couple times, but uh, this time... Because it was believed to be the last Friday the 13th. They put it in the title. It has to be true. It's the final chapter. Yeah. So, if it's the final chapter, let's call Tom Savini. He created the movie. He created the monster. Let's let him kill the monster. That's the thought process behind it. Except, <laughs> let's do fucking seven more movies. <laughs> like, like, I, like I have heard and believe, the final chapter is always chapter 11. As long as there is a revenue that comes in and it's big bucks, they will keep making these fucking movies. Yeah. When they start not being that way, that's when it's fucking really dead. Mm-hmm. You can't die. Not until the grosses go down. Last action hero reference, deep cut. Um, man, I'm in a great sad mood. Sad but true. That is sad but 100% true. It is. Um, I'm just I'm in a great mood. I love this movie more than anything on the planet. I just this is my go-to comfort Friday the 13th. You don't even need to ever rewatch this to do a review for it. You can just do this shit in your sleep. I, everything about it is awesome. So let's just start from Jump Street, where uh, everything is awesome. We pick up with Jason having an axe in his forehead. 
we're at the we're at the end of three. Like it picks up immediately, hatchet style. End of three, end of four, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah, and which makes them great companion films. If you watch mm-hmm. two, three, and four in a row, pretty awesome. Pretty fucking awesome. And that's a hell of a weekend. That is. In their world, it really does take place over fucking like two or three days. Um, mm-hmm. So so they load Jason up on a gurney and take his ass to the hospital. And uh, like Evil said, is he dead? No, not quite. Uh, the hockey mask is metal, so that's how I He's always in deep sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's how I always uh, justify it. It's like, well, the hockey mask is metal, and it stopped a bunch of the axe. <laughs> you know, most of the axe. Yeah, twenty percent went through his skin. Went through his skin. Night of the axe, if you will. Yeah. Um. So so without the you could say you could say he only really felt edge of the. Oh, there it is. Uh, just enough to make it, you know, stick into his forehead a little bit. Uh, but he's got that big old hydrozavalic uh, mongoloid skull. So Again, that's a wound that will stay with him forever. Not the wound in the shoulder from the previous you know, movie two, two back, but this one in his head will stay with him forever. Including masks that aren't even the same mask having the axe chop in them. But, We're looking at you, Part 8, but we still love yeah, you. Yeah, we love you, Part 8, but... Uh, so the, you know they they take him to the hospital. They throw him in the in the morgue, and which is one of my all time favorite shots in the movie. Um, them closing the door and you seeing him breathe, just a little which, glimpse of his until breath. until about mm, six or so years ago. Never noticed it. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, uh, real subtle, uh, but he, Blu-ray helps. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Uh, seeing these movies in high def uh, takes away some of the magic sometimes, but uh, also enhances other parts of the movie. And so Jason gets up. He's not quite done yet. He's got to go home. He's got to go kill off a couple more people. So he's got to kill a couple people in the hospital and then be on his merry way. Uh, And Tom Savini lets you know from Jump Street that he is not fucking around when when Fackler meets his end. That's the most gruesome, maybe, murder in the franchise for me. Is That is vicious. It's, yeah. Vicious shit. And it's the noise, too, right? Like, the flesh ripping, but also the mm. noise he makes. Like, Wah! oh, yeah, it's, it stays with you because you're like, well, that's the end. Like, you're done. Like, there ain't no coming back. There ain't no maybe he's okay. That dude, his fucking head got twisted off. Like, yeah, game. that's what you get for watching 20-minute workout and trying to get your bang on next to a corpse <laughs> of a serial killer. Yeah. Uh, all poor life choices, you know. Uh, and I think the other thing that I like so much about this movie is I'm a big Halloween 2 fan. And Halloween 2 takes place all at the hospital. And so this movie kind of feels like, well, let's take Jason, put him in that Halloween 2 setting, but not stay there. You know what I mean? So we get just a, a little bit of Jason in a hospital. It's a nice change of pace, a different setting for him. And He only kills one nurse. Yep. With the name badge R. Morgan, which we're all like, that's a deep cut. 100%. Robbie Morgan, the first victim in the uh, franchise proper outside of the flashback kill. Yep. That is something that not a lot of people pick up on either. So uh, now you know. Almost. She almost got my my brown panty award. Ah, yeah. Was was that nerd. But she's a little little rude, so. Is she? And she like, we don't need to be. I was like, why? I was like, what am I thinking? Like, why am I letting you seduce me next to a corpse on the job like this? Zip, I'm going back to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot falter. Uh, but she, she damn near got it. She doesn't. Someone else gets it. But she damn near got the uh, the brown panty. Uh, my brown panty award. I, I can't think of her name. Why can't I think of her name? Um, I can't think of her name either. The one that but, hooks uh, up with Rob Lowe's stunt double. Yes, same same one. I, she's so I like sweet. Her. She's a wonderful person. She's a moral compass. And she doesn't deserve what happens to her, which is what makes this movie so fucking good, right? Is almost all of them don't deserve what happens to them. Almost. Yeah. I mean, Teddy's a piece of shit. Uh, Ted, yeah. Ted Ted could have gone a long time ago. <laughs> Ted could have gotten his head ripped off by one of the tree branches on the drive there, sticking his head out a window, mm-hmm. and I'd have been fine. But, uh, you know, Judy Aronson, she's kind of a snooty. Um, and uh, her boyfriend, 
doesn't really stick by her side. He kind of starts having eyes for one of the twins. So, you know, arguably... He's just, he's just out for whoever's going to give it up to him. Yeah, so arguably, you know, you see their poor uh, character traits, and you're like, yeah, fuck them. Uh, that's a future That's a future cuck relationship right there. Oh, boy. Uh, if they would have made it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. If they were still around, it'd be like, you're going to watch me fuck this other guy, and you're going to watch. Yeah, you're going to like and it. Then, and then she's gonna bring. Then he's gonna bring like two chicks. And I'm like, now you watch. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take both of these ones. I'm gonna have a threesome, and you're not one of them. We're doing coke, listening to "Love Is a Lie" by Lion. Um, and then the other thing about this movie, where we we finally get to introduce uh, a child to the franchise, because yes. all the movies take place at a summer camp. That's a camp for children, but we never get any children until this movie, and we get young Corey Feldman. Uh, still in his cocaine, <laughs> I believe he was a cocaine uh, abuser even during this movie, even as young as he was. Well, can you blame him? This kid's like a fucking, he's like the age of our youngest kid, and he's tasked with the responsibilities of a grown fucking adult in this movie. Yes. Tommy, fix the electricity. Tommy, fix the car. What the fuck, man? <laughs> I can't even do the shit Tommy's required to do in this movie, mm-hmm. and I'm 38 years old. Yep. Uh, he knows more about technology and vehicles and electricity and all of this yeah. stuff than, than we Lift do. Lift the hood of a car. Lift the hood of a car. I might as well be looking at the human brain. And <laughs> like, I don't know what the hell is wrong with this thing. Fix electricity. Like, isn't that what the electricians are supposed to do? Right. Let's call them up. Yeah. Uh, if you had a screwdriver. <laughs> He's apparently MacGyver yeah, just, 100%. Just look at shit and just, you know, yeah, hot rod it. Just bang the hell of it with a hammer and be like, well, I don't know what to do. Maybe we should call a professional. <laughs> But, uh, you know, so this this is where the dynamic changes because now we have a likable child, even though Ted White didn't like him. But, uh, you know, on... Ted White's an old country man. Yeah, but on screen, uh, Corey Feldman's character, Tommy Jarvis, is very likable, um, which puts a whole different threat to Jason Voorhees, right? Because now we have to worry about this child being murdered. Uh, because we didn't know if Friday the 13th would cross that line. Because right off the bat, like we said, with the death of Fackler, the death of the uh, hitchhiker, they're very ruthless, right? So we start to realize we're at the mercy of a madman with this movie. Like, Jason doesn't <laughs> care. of a madman. He's going to fuck everybody up. And uh, I, don't, I don't think that uh, a child is going to slow him down. But this is where we bring in the uh, we bring back the we can outsmart Jason motif as well uh, yeah and speaking of that hitchhiker uh, we also passed by Pamela Voorhees grave apparently which is almost a roadside attraction <laughs> it feels like like that's not it doesn't feel like a cemetery it feels like and on this turnaround you'll see the grave of Pamela Voorhees mm-hmm. infamous Pamela who started started fires and killed several teenagers in the Crystal Lake area whose son is still missing and we have no idea where he is to this day Mike we actually see dinosaurs on our dinosaur tour but uh, (laughs) um, and it's true that this movie was the first movie to give her a first name because in the first Friday the 13th she's just Mrs. Voorhees Mrs. Voorhees and it's not until this movie where she becomes Pamela Voorhees that's four movies into the franchise before they name the mom like yeah, okay. and she has she has a full fledged part in the first movie. She has her flashback, floating head in part two, and then you have the zombie version of her in the ghost sequence in part three. So she's been in every movie. Here she is in her, uh, I guess you could say swan song of sorts. Like we don't really see or hear from her again for a number of for shit for what until we get to uh, until we get. Gosh, did do we not hear from her again? Technically, till we get to Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, that's that's it. Like and then the remake. We hear about her, like she's told in stories in like part eight, but we don't ever see anything of Pamela until we get Ham. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I just realized that in real time. Like, yeah, she's not in any fucking movie. Mm-hmm. This is her swan song. Yep. Even though she's, it's just a tombstone, but still, it, she's under there. Yep. She, her performance was stone cold, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'm oh. here all week, folks, but. Uh, we're just gonna cut the just shut the door, shut everything down. We're good now. We can, we're in on a high note. Uh, we'll see y'all next week with Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. Uh, good morrow. Yes. Um, but boy, uh, 
I know that in all of the documentaries and everything that we've watched, this is another one of those things, just like with part three of uh, who's responsible for the hockey mask type of deal. But some stories about part four say that Tommy Jarvis's character was modeled after Tom Savini. He's a young kid obsessed with monsters. And then there are other people who are like, Matt, we didn't like Zito himself is like, I didn't model him after Tom Savini. That's fucking bullshit. We just took a bunch of Tom Savini's crap and put it in his room so we could set deck. Like, I feel like that. I feel like Zito is telling the truth there. I feel like that is, but that's Tom Savini being ego, like, man. Yeah, he he's gaslighting him, being like, "Let's just put this shit in there, make him like a an effects like crazy kid." Like he in his in his in his head, he's like, "This is fucking me as a kid," but he's not gonna say it outright to Zito. He's just gonna influence him mm-hmm. a little bit, but never tell him like, "Model it after me," you know. And I've done this before. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I love Tom Savini. Fuck him. Do it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I I, I, I think he's a, a hair overrated. And he's a very talented effects guy. But I do. I, I think his some of his stuff is a little overrated. And uh, I think he knows it, too. Yeah, I, I also believe that. And But he does. He has a very big ego when it comes to stuff. And also, I think... It's, it's just me as a fan being a little salty where it's like uh, I would I expect him to be like this horror maestro. I expect him to love and cherish all of this stuff because he was inspired by Lon Chaney Jr. and stuff. But when you hear interviews with him, you're like, ah, Friday the 13th movies are fucking stupid. He doesn't like them and stuff. And so that's where the like the bitter fan in me is just slightly jaded like you don't like this, but it was your paycheck. He's one of the very few guys that we have met. We met a, we, we can say now a multiple. We've met a good amount, a good amount of people in the in the franchises uh, all over, and he's one of those few guys that didn't quite live up to expectations of being uh, a good a good dude. He wasn't a bad dude. Right. He's very businesslike, very a very cold businesslike approach to his uh, meeting of fans, which. I mean, maybe it works for you. Maybe, maybe it doesn't. For us, it like it. It wasn't really what we were looking for when we like we go to meet the dude and he's already got the thing we wanted signed. His name, he just signs it, his name, and passes it back before you even like you barely have time to get the guy that takes the money his cash. Yeah, you, you're not even to Tom, and he's already got your shit ready for you. Like he's almost ready to move you down the line conveyor mm-hmm. belt style. Yeah, which I guess is more of a big convention type thing, but not really what we're used to. We're used to like standing and bullshit, bullshit for bullshit a with us for like five minutes, please. Yeah, give us a little something. Um, very cold and businesslike, and that all kind of adds to where I start to feel jaded and feel like, ah, eh, maybe you are a little overrated, man. But uh, at the same time, I understand the flip side of the coin. Like, well, he's, you know. How many times a day does someone go? Remember Creep Show? That was awesome. And him go, yeah, yeah, fucking Creep Show, great. Yeah. Or, I'll give I'll give him that little bit of allowance because he's is what he's what near seventy, mm-hmm. and it's like at that point you gotta be like, I really need to manage my time very well. And it's like let's get this shit over with so I can go back and doing what I want to do because uh, who knows how many years I got left? Yeah, I don't 20. fucking That's... talk about Friday the Thirteenth Part Four again. You fucking idiot, get out of my face. You know, like, <laughs> but. Uh, so, even though uh, the effects that he does in this movie are fucking groundbreaking, top-notch, right? Um, Can't deny the man's work. It's good. Yeah, every every uh, montage later in the films, uh, every fucking tribute video you ever see about Jason on YouTube or whatever, um, are, they're littered with Tom Savini effects, and, uh, like, the most notable is the death of Jason in this movie. It is... Uh, it is unmatched, unparalleled, nothing better in, in across the board because this franchise is kind of known for uh, dispatching Jason in, in kind of nonsensical bullshit ways down the road. And this one, to me, is like the definitive. Like, machete to the face, hacked the fuck up, game over. I, I feel like that's most slashers have a lot of, like, shit uh, vanishings and very... Like, each one has maybe one good one, but this is also... Part four seems to be, like I we talked about Jenny uh, from part two is kind of the universal like favorite final girl. I've also discovered over the last like decade that 
Part four is like the cult favorite of the franchise. Yeah, it's weird. Most times, uh, most times when it is screened or there is going to be like a marathon where they play a couple of the movies, it is almost, it is more difficult than not to avoid this this movie in particular getting played at screenings and events and stuff because it's, I had no idea this is one of the most popular movies of the series for a lot of fans. See, I, uh, I just changed my mind. I don't like it anymore because I don't want to be like everybody else. So fuck this movie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, put my, you, put my you like this stuff for your own reasons. Put my gatekeeper you, glasses on. <laughs> you like this movie for your own reasons, and that's fine. What just is surprise, and I'll be the same. Like I know other movies where it's it's the same where I'm in the boat with mm-hmm. other folks, but it's just. It was just interesting to me. I can't. I don't know why. Yeah, it is why strange. It just fascinates me, but it is just. Yeah, this is one that everyone seems to be like that one. Yeah, we like that one best. Yeah, it's the it's the pop. It's like the equivalent of the Dream Warriors for Elm Street. Oh yeah, Dream Warriors is the most popular of the Elm Street by the by the by the mass by the popular vote. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like Part Four and Friday the Thirteenth gets that for for this franchise. Mm-hmm. Well, and for me, which I know we've talked about multiple times, and we'll get to it when we cover Seven. But uh, you know, you. you that's your quintessential Jason look is that seven look like it doesn't get sevens it doesn't get any better than that like that's that's a really scary uh, zombified like Jason that's the that's the best look for that <laughs> era of Jason right that's 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 Ted White's Jason if he fucked Tarman yeah. from Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> and and for me, Ted White's Jason, like we already talked about two weeks ago, talking about part three, uh, is the beginning of the uh, the olive shirt, the khaki pants, that, that look. But Ted White makes it so scary. And I don't know what it is because he's this, he's not a, he's not a big, thick guy like Broker and they didn't give him that big, like, triangle traps you know he doesn't have that big of a upper body in this movie he's a little bit more lean but uh you know the big thick black fingernails and the kind of like it's not really a run it's like a trot it's fast (laughs) but he's selling the leg injuries (laughs) yeah for sure but there's there's things that he does like when he has trish cornered upstairs and that whole like cat and mouse little juke thing that he does I think it's because he's a country guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's a very like even even uh, Feldman's like he's like a very big country dude. Like hey man, how you doing, man? Yeah, old west. I feel like that. <laughs> I feel like that. Yeah, that old west country boy lifestyle kind of seeps out in his uh, body language, which I think does because it's kind of gangly, right? Like yeah, uh, like he's like. You could see like this dude could wrestle cattle to the ground with his pair of hands mm-hmm. in real life. So, so that kind of dude in a one-on-one fight with a teenage uh, uh, female, not not really a, uh, too much of an opposing uh, risk. Yeah, game over. Uh, but they do <laughs> yeah. they do a lot of cool shit in this movie with him, which uh, you know early Friday the Thirteenth movies we've talked about already because we're still we're in the early Friday movies, but. Uh, where we don't get a lot of Jason until the final act. But this movie, we start to kind of, we crank him up a little bit. You know, because we get the two kills in the hospital, we get a good look at him. Um, but then when it's the hitchhiker death, it's feet and arms. We don't see the mask. So we kind of we kind of dip away. We give you Jason for a hot minute at the beginning, and then we're like, okay, now we're back to like POV kills, a lot of stalking, a lot of slinking. But later in the film this is when we start to get uh these really imposing shots of jason uh and the one that always sticks out to me is when he kills jared leto's stunt double in the shower um drop the old soap old buddy but that shot of him after while he's smashing the face and the steam and everything and it's a really close shot of jason's face um it, it's it's almost the full frame is Jason's face. Oh, it, it's a Wayne's World extreme. Yeah, it's, it's in your face. It's intense. It's intimidating. Uh, and then, you know, from then on, we get a lot of that. Like him standing in a doorway. 
or uh, you know him blocking a blocking a path or or walking through an open door towards the end when he comes back after Trish, and uh, it's it's different from the previous films because it's it's so much more intimidating. I don't really know how to explain it. I don't know like whether it's the way that it's shot or what it is, but it's like. Probably the, it's the it's the it's a cocktail of all of it because it's the way that it's shot. This dude, it, it, still, even though he's not, you know, super big, he's still bigger than part two mm-hmm. was. And you're kind of like you're you might subconsciously still be writing that how big he looked in part three. Like he's probably not too much different from part three's look. So probably the combination of his personal body language of what he brought to the character, how they shot it, and just your your uh, psyche thinking that he is a bigger and badder influence that he's gotten over the last two movies. All that combined just makes a terrifying fucking uh, villain. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's pretty fucking spot on. Like, um, And then, again, we have the returning motif of storms. Storm coming back. Yes. Um, and it's it's a very heavy atmosphere. It's, it's great because this movie starts out so lighthearted with these vacationing teens and uh it's cool it's, it's cool it's, to see them not realize how in over their head they really are like this this could be a, a car full of kids that came off the porky set mm-hmm. and they just got lost and went to the wrong fucking <laughs> resort which i don't know what fucking part of the lake we are on now because we're all we're on another part where it's a uh, uh, home establishment, yeah. Part of the lake. <laughs> like, this is not the this is not the training ground part of the lake. This is not the official camp part of the lake. This is in the we own property or summer property area of the lake because mm-hmm. we have two two houses that are In very close proximity of one another. Close proximity, which I want to believe, like maybe they've just been remodeled, but these are the same houses we'll get to when we get to part seven, like because we get to more residential areas in this in this area that are just summer homes. Summer home, summer not. Uh, and I don't know who the fuck owns the house that these kids all go into. Like, who's springing to get this place? I'm assuming Crispin Glover, since uh, I, we do believe if you go to our YouTube channel, you can watch our commentary for this movie. Uh, we do believe that he... he only thing that Crispin Glover brings for this whole weekend is a suitcase that's about the size of a shoebox. It's like a picnic basket, I, I swear to God. Yeah, and I'm just like that thing is full of cocaine and records. That's all that's in. That's all he packed for this weekend. Because you know we didn't pack no suits. Yeah. Oh no, we have no suits. <laughs> Skin it <and> up. <laughs> He's such a fucking goober. He always, he never like half asses anything. He will do something balls out. Mm-hmm one way or another with everything he does. Well, he's a great fucking character actor. And again, I'm going to mm. I'm going to go back to that so many times is all of the people in this movie. Uh, you know, from Corey Feldman uh, all the way to Crispin Glover to um, Fackler, all of these uh, Judy Aronson, all of these character actors, they're very likable. They they're very um, like it just sucks you in, and you want relatable. Yeah, and you want and you want to go with these kids, and you want to um, you want to see them hook up, and you want it does play like you said, like Porky's. It plays like a straight teen comedy, uh, a situational comedy type of deal, and uh, you want to see which relationships are going to blossom, which are going to break up, because you know you got uh, <laughs> you got the the cute girl who we gave the brown panty award to. Uh, she's making her move. And she's about to, she's about to get to sleep with the the most handsome dude in the house, and uh, you know, I mean, you're just rooting, you get, you're rooting for him. And, it, and you get the you get the creepy part of the of the show where I'm gonna go where you one of my favorite shots in the movie is they decide and what maybe set a weird precedent for me. I'm like, I need to do that. I need to get get me a lady in the shower. <laughs> Did you get you get the uh, you get the love making scene with Rob Lowe's stunt devil and her in the shower, and you get one of my favorite shots of uh, some booty cheeks pressed against the shower glass <laughs> wall, and I'm like, yeah, uh, you know, evil likes that. Yeah, and and movies shower sex seems awesome, and real life shower sex is is uh, I don't know, <laughs> it's not up there. It's in my experience. Uh, it is. Just fine and dandy on my end of things, but it's your other halves that's like, you know, this is not like it is in the movies. 
yeah. at all. Well, I don't have a glass like shower door either, so I just have a curtain. So you bump into that. I, <laughs> we got nothing to stabilize ourselves. See, I used to have this almost like a exact glass uh, shower door. So you fell through like that, that motherfucker. <laughs> I didn't know it wasn't my wasn't my butt cheeks pressed against that thing. That's for sure. Otherwise, it would have been a, a fucking a homicide looking scene. I would have looked like Rob Lowe at Rob Lowe's death scene there if I was pressed against that, just half busted out of it and shit. Oh man, that's glorious. <laughs> some some behind the scenes stuff you didn't think he was getting when we're talking Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, the final chapter. Uh, let us know about shower sex. Uh, yay or nay yeah what's your experience <laughs> <laughs> tell us they might not be able to tell us they might have got murdered in the shower uh, so I guess they can't listen either but whatever I didn't think that through <laughs> dead, men, dead men tell no tales yep uh, and then another one of my all time favorite things which you can't talk about Friday the 13th part 4 and not talk about it is uh, uh, the dude who is apparently there to save the day uh, who's that's been on the hunt for two, two days, days yeah. now. You know, my sister Sandra, she was a really great kid, which literally happened two fucking days before this movie. Two days ago. She hasn't even been buried. May, she's not been buried. She's not had an autopsy probably even done yet, If at most. Like, they probably don't even have the information divulged out necessarily to all the victims until mm-hmm. they have 100% identification because, remember, this is the 80s ID is not exactly as easy as it is today. Right. And and yeah, this dude is like he's been on the hunt since yeah, the movies have been out. <laughs> but if you're going by the movies timeline, this fucker has been li- he's he's living out the first 48. Yeah. It's like we got to get Jason otherwise this dude may never get caught. <laughs> Cuz after 48 hours they're just like shit, this one we're, we're moving on. And they set him up to be this uh, very heroic type. He's suave swoops right in and makes moves on Trish. They like each other right off the bat because let's face it, if you live on the lake and you never have any contact with anybody, the first dude who screwdrivers your fucking engine, (laughs) you're going to want to screw drive his engine. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, and he's he, he makes like friends with the little brother, which is a classic like, wedding crashers move. Like, yeah, like befriends the, the kid. He's got to show off all of his bits, and then then, then you have another inconsistency because you have like you see that he's like packing all this stuff. And, like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I got this rifle, you know, in case of bears. Mm-hmm. And Feldman's like, there ain't no fucking bears out here. What? But rewind two movies back to when his sister was alive. <laughs> Apparently, bears were a thing. It's bear country. You know, yeah. New Jersey bear population is fucking through the roof. <laughs> I don't know. So, so yeah, just don't think about the time inconsistencies with bears and this dude being on the hunt, because it it only makes sense in like real life movie time, right? Not two years not worth. This shit. Yeah, two years worth of time, not two fucking days. Yeah, it's, it's it's all over the place. It's a goddamn mess, but that's okay. But, uh, you know, they set him up like he's going to be this saving grace. Uh, Again, we're leaning into this. Maybe we're going to have multiple final people. Are we going to have a final girl and two final guys or what? He's set up to be the Kyle Reese of this movie. Yeah. And And he kind of is. (laughs) Up until he has to do anything of merit and he fucking dies. (laughs) (laughs) With a garden tool. Like the garden tool that... That Rod is fucking with the kids Scream. with in Nightmare on Elm Street. Intense, yeah. huh? <laughs> picture, yeah, this, this picture <laughs> that thing that Rod used as a fucking scare prop is what kill, that brings this dude down. It takes and like an hour and a half, take, too. <laughs> yeah, that, he is hacking away at this guy for 40 minutes at least. Yeah, like, And his only defense is, oh shit, he's fucking killing he's me. He's killing me. <laughs> Like, after a while, you think he would stop yelling, he's killing me, and maybe, like, call an ambulance. <laughs> this is really uh, hurting. Call an ambulance. <laughs> there's a lot of blood. I'm going to just, everything's sticking out. I'm going to just push it back in. <laughs> I've got maybe 12 minutes left. <laughs> yeah. Delete my browser history. <laughs> and then, again, just like previous installments, uh, you know, Trish makes the run for it, gets back to the house, uh, quick, let's barricade the house. Let's do all this hooplery. 
and then we cut to a wide, and when we cut to a wide, you fucking damn well better know what that means. It means a body is crashing through a fucking window at a high rate of speed, and <laughs> he comes which, which, crashing in. Which, which means after the 48 swings with that garden tool to kill Rob, he's got to drag him up the broken steps. Well, mine the third step, it's a bitch. <laughs> Drag him from one house to the other and then hurl this fucker like six feet through the air through a fucking window. In the rain. So he's you can't get your oh, feet yeah, always planted. Always in the rain. Because it's muddy. No, you're, you're, <laughs> and it's all like it's like the back like the behind the scenes bit is like that and the next scene are all like several beats past when they were I guess they were supposed to, like bat like him th- coming through the window. They're like, all right, we're supposed to back up to the window now, and then Jason's supposed to bust through the glass and grab Feldman. And they're like, beat, 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 no Jason. And then like four beats later, then bam, there he comes through, and then you get the uh, true reaction of Corey Feldman getting grabbed because he was not legitimately expecting it at that time. Like, <laughs> ah! like you can see him shit his little pants right there. <laughs> Oh, it's an excellent uh, sequence, too. This whole, the whole last half hour of Friday the 13th Part 4 is some of the best uh, horror movie sequences ever. Like, uh, true slasher awesomeness, right? Throw the body through the window, grab a hold of Feldman, get... I do have a question, Hmm. because in that, in, in, in this section, we do have one kill that I do not understand at all. And can you shed any light on our Brown Panty Achievement Award winner, how she is killed with this fire axe? See, it's always been muddy to me, but I assume he's on the other side. It doesn't make any sense to me, because how I see it is she's fucking banging on a door, you see something bust through the door that looks like it's the head of the axe, and then you see an entire axe with the long fucking like two-foot handle sticking out of her chest. And I'm like... That, how does that work? So he's on the... How I always thought it was, he's on the other side of the door, knows that she's trying to open it, so he just hacks through, and it's a lucky shot that it hit, that it actually hits her. So that's how I see it, is he's on the other side of the door. <clears throat> that's like the, the only way it can work, unless he's laying on the ground, like, in front of her while she's trying to open the door, and then he just goes, yeah. But to me, it feels like the hole on the door is probably only as wide as the axe handle like the actual axe blade is but you get the axe with this the whole full-fledged uh handle on it which is like that two foot long handle there so how i'm like how the fuck does the handle that's attached to the axe go through the door how it is and be implanted how it is on her chest like watch it and you'll be like what yeah well i I think it's because you know when she fell back she slid it through the hole in the door right (laughs) but it's cut together so quickly that it's like it is a little perplexing so i totally see what you're saying but yeah that that death has always kind of uh been a head scratcher for me that yeah but i mean the rest of them i mean you get the uh like they always say bruce campbell is the king of acting in reverse but crispin glover gives him a good run for his Mm -hmm. fucking money with his death because man he might have the death of this movie. Yeah, it's brutal. It's good. And he's all shot in reverse because he gets his fuck. He's looking for the corkscrew. He gets a corkscrew jammed into his hand. And then, and then that's that's painful enough. But as he's turning around, he gets a fucking meat cleaver in his face. Mm-hmm. In order to shoot that, they had to have the cleaver in his face and pull it out, and him re- acting in reverse. And it looks phenomenal. Yeah, it's top notch. Uh, it's it's one of the best deaths in the movie for sure and then uh you know we move to teddy getting killed which this is finally yeah um the editing of the final chapter has always kind of confused me because it's like he kills crispin glover in the kitchen and then goes outside and climbs up the side of the house to yank the twin out the window and then oh yeah his He's got to use more ability because it's a pain in the dick if he were actually going in and out of the house as much as he is for how he kills him. Yeah, and then after he kills the girl out the window, we cut back to him in the kitchen, standing over Crispin Glover's body, 
to go into the front room to kill Teddy. So it's a, it's a really, it's edited together weird. Here's how you solve it. You kill the girl upstairs first. The twin. And then you come Twenty-one. downstairs and you kill, you kill Crispin Glover and immediately after kill Teddy. That's all they yeah, had to do to fix the edit. And uh, yeah. it's, it's so jarring. But, uh, you know. You it just, makes you think there's multiple Jasons on the premises right. killing people. But then again. Which is a terrifying thought in and of itself. Like we said, you know, don't try to in, inject any sort of reality or thought process to it. Because that's when it gets dangerous. And you start going, well, this is fucking stupid. It doesn't make any sense. So uh, just go in and have some fun. That's when you either get angry or you're going to start laughing because it's funny. Yeah. And uh, we're on the funny side of the spectrum. And like, man, that's a pain. He's got to climb up to the second story to pull this bitch out a window. Then goes all the way the fuck downstairs back inside the house to take care of Crispin Glover. Which um, I had the experience now of seeing this at screenings now a couple of times. Uh, the one thing in this movie that gets the biggest reaction out of an audience is Crispin Glover's corpse nailed to that fucking door and then when Jason just comes by and pulls him off of it mm-hmm. and you see the skin just rip out of the 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 skin between his thumb and finger mm-hmm. like just rip it down like a fucking shower the cut. audience pops every time yeah they're like ooh ah, it is a great scene and that's another thing it is that I love funny that that's a funny that that's a thing that stops you know someone from getting out the door like oh shit mm-hmm. I can't leave he's blocking it yeah that's what I was gonna say that's another like really funny thing about these movies because Jason does this a lot uh, sticking bodies up in weird places to kind of herd his prey in a different direction he is he's fucking herding he's straight up sheep herding so she won't walk past a body that's fucking railroad tie tacked to a door but she'll bust out a window and climb out a window. You know, like... Oh, that is a that is a fucking intense fall. Mm-hmm. Even though you can kind of see the crash pad underneath the grass and shit, it's still like, Jesus. Mm-hmm. That, that's <laughs> hard core. That's a hell of a bump. <laughs> ECW. 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 <laughs> Where's New Jack when you need him? Oh, wait. Sorry. He's uh, not here. He's, he's hanging out with Pamela Voorhees. Woof. Good God. Uh... But we spent a little over 40 minutes rambling about the the craziness of this movie. Anything else you want to get to before we move on to our next segment, Evil? Absolutely. I do have one question for you. What did you, what did you think of Tom Savini's original idea for the planned death of Jason? I don't like it. Uh, you can go ahead and elaborate <laughs> for the audience if they don't know what it was. But yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. Well, they compromise. In the movie, we get him throwing a TV on Jason's head when he's busting through a door. But at one point in the movie, that when he was going through that door, Jason was going to get a microwave put on his head that's hooked up to like a little amplifier dial. That Tom Sweeney is like, we could turn this on one and melt the toy soldier and turn it up to 10, you know, and then you have, you know, I don't know, fucking uh, World War II level, you know, catastrophe <laughs> kind of shit. So. His thing was, we'll put on Jason's head, crank the dial to 10, and cook Jason's head from the inside, which, I mean, it sounds like it, it would be an interesting why special would, effects Why challenge. would uh, Corey Feldman have that in his room? What's the purpose? Uh, to to ward off possible kidnapping rapists <laughs> if they ever decide to make a Last House on the Left remake. There you go. Which was also was stolen from the movie Evil Laugh. Uh <clears throat> Which was directed <laughs> by uh, Two Chocolate Bars Joey himself, a.k.a., uh, you know, the Molesta Man, whatever you want to call him. So we'll get into that. Oh, we're getting to that. Yeah. We're, yeah, next, next, Dominic next episode we... Next episode we start my holy trinity of my three... One of my three favorite uh, Fridays in the franchise. But that's that's for next episode. Mm. That's not what we're doing yeah, this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this week we're still on Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, and yeah, now uh, now that we've talked and uh, we got to just uh, gush over this movie, time to do something I'm sure Roger is not looking forward to one damn bit. <laughs> we're gonna get to some people who don't like this movie one single bit, and so much they had to go to Amazon and tell us how much they disliked it. It's time to get nasty. It's time for the Amazon One Star Reviews. Hated it. All right. First up is Captain America himself. 
On April 11, 2020, he says one star. What? What? Who can't love a cheesy, unrealistic, over-the-top slasher flick? Me, that's who. That's the point. But this is hilarious. There has to be at least some effort. The killer can have the weakest motivation, but there at least has to be some motivation. There has to be an iota of a plot. You see, movies are supposed to be for the audience. If you like the movie, great, more power to you. But there was little effort put into this. There were two writers? There was a director? Crispin Glover delivers, of course, the delivers because of course he can. <laughs> Corey Feldman shaved his head. Hysterical. Jason is somehow psychic. He kills Sam in the shower, runs outside, throws an axe through the front door, counting on his ex-victim to be there. Did the dog jump out the window? <laughs> Was he pushed? Some movies should leave questions unanswered. 2001, Unforgiven, No Country for Old Men. Perhaps I am just thinking too hard. I think so, but What's worse? What's worse is the filmmakers believed audiences would enjoy this. It is not good. It is not so bad it's good. This is very, very bad. And I've seen Grandma's Boy. <laughs> hey, Grandma's Boy is fun. Wait till we cover apparently, that. <laughs> apparently, this gentleman does not like fun. Yeah, well, get out of here. Fun ain't got no place here. Get out of here with your bullshit. Next up, we got Mark Kalmbach. All right. On Jan uh, not January, March 7th, 2005. One star. Another fantastic flop in the Friday the 13th franchise. <laughs> I enjoyed watching film series to see how how they evolve or devolve. That curiosity of mine is the only thing that enabled me to watch this movie, watch this miserable entry after the third installment, which was bad, 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 bad. <laughs> Jason kills a bunch of people again for no apparent reason. Some little kid who's really into monsters shaves his head in an effort to resemble Jason. His sister whacks Jason with a machete. End of movie. <laughs> this one is mind-numbingly D-U-L-L. Even compared to number three. The only plus to this one is at least half-heartedly, this one at least half-heartedly tries to have a bit of plot. The producers had taken one too many clips from from the well for for this one. Creativity would come later in the series, but not here. It was a good idea to finally kill Jason. Should I bother mentioning that Crispin Glover, Back to the Future, is in this one? <laughs> Guess what? They didn't really kill him, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'll be back in the next one, but it'll be a different actor. He'll be hung upside down with a lot of prosthetic makeup on. We'll say it's Crispin Glover, but it's not Crispin. <laughs> Alright Next up is Scott B. Perry On September 8, 2002 Boring Obviously I didn't like the movie But the film is pretty dull And the plot line is very empty It makes you just want to fast forward to the death scenes It's that bad Although I did think the ending was Cool Only for serious fans for the Friday the 13th movies Well I mean that wasn't So bad I guess and that's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we got oh, uh, the last one here from Darag Murray or Derek Murray, D A R R A G H. Darag Murray. Uh, on uh, get this, January eleventh, two thousand. Woo wee! That is an oldie from the that vault. That is officially that is officially now an almost twenty-two year old uh, review. Get fucked. Because remember, January 11th. So he just left the 90s, man. <laughs> We're into the new millennium, and he's like, you know what? This fucking movie from the 80s, it's time to get it. Yeah. He says one star, and it's an embarrassment to the horror film industry. Okay. I, I don't know. I hired this film purely for the fact that the main character, the psychotic Jason, would finally get his comeuppance. I only hoped and prayed in my mind. And for the writers that this would turn out to be a better sequel for them and they could be remembered for classics and not for embarrassing films. Unfortunately, my prayers went to waste. <laughs> I like that he did this, he didn't know there were movies after this movie. I don't know. Despite warnings of notorious camp innocent of camp innocent lovers, friends and others, enter the cap 
only to be slain by the seemingly invincible Jason Voorhees. This time, Tommy, Corey Feldman, his, mo his debut movie, is the one determined to stop the psychotic fiend once and for all after his mother is brutally murdered by the killer. Can Jason be stopped once and for all? We will see. <laughs> Was that a goddamn promo? That's ridiculous. Kind of, He kind of goes into a promo territory at the end, but this dude... 21 years ago, this movie was still, like, almost 20 years old then. Yeah. And dude was like, I don't know if there's movies after this one. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. You, I don't know, man. <laughs> we were gearing towards we were gearing towards Jason X in two years mm -hmm. from when that review came out. And this dude's like, I don't know if there's going to be six more of these. <laughs> Go to any video store. Do your research, buddy. Hmm. Uh, Wowza. Even then, you should know that. Go to a video store then, and you would have known yep, that. Yep, yeah. You would have seen the rest of the fucking movies on the shelf. <laughs> what the fuck? Unless you went to that video store that was uh, that Patrick Ray had, you know, where all the movies weren't in order, so he would go around and put them in order on the shelf. Uh, no. No. Not unless I'm getting paid, <laughs> but I, 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 I understand it. Yes. Well, that's the end of the one-star reviews, huh? That that is the that is the epitome of the one-star reviews. Not too terrible. They didn't hurt my feelings nearly Got, as bad as I thought they were going to. Not too bad. Well, I tried to find uh, ones that would be more uh, more easygoing on the ears than than not. Yeah. I mean, there were I think there were a few couple that were really kind of digging, but they didn't really. Uh, I didn't think they were show worthy, <laughs> so I just passed on by. Like, get these out of my face. I thought for sure an embarrassment to the horror industry might get you a little bit. <laughs> nah, that's, I mean, you, they, you can say what you want, I guess, you <laughs> motherfucker. I've, I've, I've sharpened you up to the, uh, to, to, the, to the harsh realities of the Amazon reviews. They're bullshit, that's what they are. <laughs> <laughs> bullshit. Oh, not too much, though, just a little yep. bit. Just a little bit. Just, just a little You got an attitude problem, yeah, but it's just a little <laughs> All right, well, I suppose that means it's time for another one of our favorite segments. One of our deep cut podcast exclusive only segments where we play the game. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. It's all about the game. Are you playing the Jumping Jesus Christmas shits? <laughs> Holy Jesus, jumping Christmas shit. Holy Jesus, goddamn. <laughs> Man, if, heaven help if we ever meet Fackler at, a, at, at any kind of event, because he's going to have to remember to sign all of that. Oh, yeah, that's happening. <laughs> so, brief plot synopsis of our uh, prop game is you got to pick a prop from the movie, but it can't be... Uh, a well-known prop so you can't say Jason's hockey mask because that's a cop-out make be creative goddammit. and make it a deep cut I mean after all you're listening to the deep cut podcast on your favorite podcasting network so you might as well make it a deep cut slash the cast podcast network check us out network, network. they are I mean, checking, are us. checking they're us they're listening out. yeah but check out check out the whole library of the previous shows and maybe check out other shows when you burn through all of ours and you don't want to re-listen for the fourth time yes uh, unless you're super diehard and you just want to listen to us do this episode over and over and over. Just if you do, just make sure to delete and then re-download so we get the we get the we get the points for the download. I, I don't even know how podcasts work, so <laughs> I think that's how it works. I think you get you get points for the download. Once you got the download, fuck it, no matter what you do with it. Once you downloaded it, we got you. We got you by the balls. Yeah, I have I have no idea. I'm 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 too old to understand technology, but. Uh, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, so I think I think I know a little. <laughs> not much, not much, but a little bit. Just like my attitude problem, it's just a little. Just bit. a little one. Um, okay, so as far as a prop goes from this movie, there are hundreds, hundreds, millions. Yeah, there's so many good props in this movie. Um, that makes it very difficult for me, dude. Uh, Would you like me to go first then while you're picking? Uh, yeah, you I, I, will, I will let you go first because I. I have been struggling with this. Well, uh, once we did our our commentary, it, it was it was simple, clear as day for me. I want I want the uh, Crispin Glover record cocaine suitcase <laughs> or basket case, whatever it is that he's got 
that he's carrying with him into this place. Because there is a weekend trip. Dude carries a case that's big enough to fit, you know, a pair of shoes in, which I'm confident is just filled with cocaine and, and records. Because that's his fucking jam when they put that on the on the record player. Is like, yeah, love is a lie, motherfucker. Yeah. Which I guess I guess behind the scenes that was really ACDC's Back in Black playing. <laughs> Which is fucking awesome. I'd love to have another cut where we actually have ACDC on the soundtrack. But, yeah, I want Crispin Glover's uh, shady briefcase that he brings in with him. Or basket case. Wherever the, wherever the fuck it is he's got. I, n- I know there's notorious items in there. <laughs> okay, well, I, uh, I think <laughs> that the prop that I would take. Just one. Would be. Uh, We're going to burn the rest. Corey Feldman's. Uh, hand puppet oh shit yeah because uh i love that thing i always thought that scene was amazing and you and i both grew up in the you know the 80s and the 90s and we had boglins you have a boglin on your fucking desk right now um that's what it reminds me of is like uh a a better boglin (laughs) so i'm like man i would kill to have that fucking thing if I didn't have the uh, the case, the other thing I would want would be a very similar. I'd want that weird mask that Feldman has on when he's playing video games. The alien mask? Because, yeah, because that, of all the fucking things in the world, this is, what, how long is this? A 90-minute movie? Mm-hmm. All the shots in the movie you could fucking pick from, but I, kn- I know on the back of the VHS of this, they decided to put the picture of him playing the fucking games with the mask on. Yeah. Which makes you go, what the fuck is going on in this movie? Is there aliens in this movie? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, you may very well, you won't be able to get the one from the movie, but I believe Trick or Treat Studios is putting that mask out. Some company is putting that mask out. So your dreams can become a reality. I may do that. Maybe we'll play Friday the 13th the game and I'll wear that mask the during the playing of a live stream. Yeah, the entire time. You got 35. <laughs> but I'm just like, you could have picked any frame to use for this. Any frame at all. And they picked like, that's the, that may be the worst possible one. Mm. Like, that's the most misleading shit on earth. One picture on the back of the VHS and it's him wearing the fucking alien Which mask. Which is what used to get me all the time. You know, I told this story yeah. before because I would go, I'd be like, I want to rent the one with Corey Feldman. So I would go to the grocery store and I would pick up five. And five has the picture of Jason with the the black or the blue, uh, you know, chevrons. Chevrons. But the synopsis also says something about Tommy Jarvis. The whole synopsis is Tommy Jarvis on the back of that VHS. So I'd be like, this is the one where he fights the kid. And I'd rent fucking part five and I'd go home and I'd get Corey Feldman for like the first two minutes. And then it was some other dildo. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck, fuck, fuck. Pissing me off. I did it again. Fuck. God damn it. And that that got me for like a couple years in my youth. Every time I would go to rent it and be like, damn it, I got him again. Son of a bitch. And uh, yeah, so. You want to, ah, written part five again? Like, no, I want part four. You're written part five. No, it's part four. Corey <laughs> Feldman's in it. All right, kid. Uh, and also, you know, uh, the Friday the 13th franchise and The Simpsons, Treehouse of Horror, is what finally taught me Roman numerals. <laughs> that and WrestleMania. For there me. you go, yeah. So thank yeah. you, uh, Friday the 13th franchise. <laughs> teaching you, teaching you shit. That's, it's teaching you things. Every, it's educational. Everything I ever learned, I learned from the Friday the 13th franchise, which is why I'm such a great person. No. <laughs> yeah, only so many kills that we can be accounted for. Yep. Uh, but on that note, uh, since we've done both games, we've covered the movie, uh, final thoughts, I guess, is just that, obviously, this is my favorite Friday the 13th. Um, we've done a commentary for it. We've we've covered this movie in multiple multiple formats, every way possible. It, Oddly, we haven't done a live stream yet. Not yet. So uh, not yet. Eventually, we'll get a you know a full two hour take on everything that we want to cover. Um, yeah. But I love this movie, and uh, if you haven't seen it, or you know, or you haven't seen it in a long time, dust it off, give it another go, because. It's, uh, for me, the high point in the franchise. Yeah, it's a whole lot of fun. It's uh, it's popular for, for some reason. It's one that everyone goes to, so check it out and, and enjoy. It's These are all fucking fun <laughs> movies, so go, go see it. Have a good time. Eat your popcorn, because this is a popcorn movie. Not a bad one in the bunch, as far as I'm concerned. 
But uh, nope. on that note, I suppose we should probably get going because, after all, there's a lot of movies out there. Somebody's got to watch them. So why not us, right? I think I'm in love. What? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Can't hear you sing. So sing. <laughs>